Well, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you're at. We are here for a very special edition of Fandom Talk. We're actually, uh, for the first time in a long time, we're doing a video chat Fandom Talk, which means everybody's making weird faces at each other now. Which uh, will be on the Patreon. Which will be, is this going to be, oh, okay. So the, this will the be videos on the are exclusive for Patreon. The videos are exclusive to Patreon. Because, <laughs> like, what, what more would you want on a Patreon than just to look at us? Uh, all day long. Mm -hmm. um, but we've got a very special edition of Phantom Talk tonight. As you know, we're doing summer of video games. We've got all types of great video game stuff up. Uh, Al's uh, Devil May Cry yep. uh, article just went up. So very that's good. a fantastic article about it. I, I never really looked at Devil May Cry that way. I'm not going to spoil the article. But uh, it's a good article. It makes you think. Not just about Devil May Cry, uh, mm -hmm. because there's not a whole lot to think about with Devil May Cry, but about uh, games in general. Mm -hmm. And uh, so that's a good article. Definitely go check that out. Uh, by the time this is up, I'll be streaming again. Jake will be streaming again, apparently, by the time this is up. Uh, you know, uh, hold, hold your breath. The quest you know, for platinum on God of War. The quest for platinum on God of War. Yep. That'll be fun. Micah, that means he's going after the Valkyries, just so you know. <laughs> uh, all the Valkyries. So, so that's going to be intense. Uh, but tonight, uh, special edition, we're going to talk about probably one of the biggest games in history. Mm. Not probably, definitely one of the biggest games in history. We're going to talk about Elder Scrolls V Skyrim. The reason we're talking about this is because in November 11th, Skyrim will be 10 years old. Does that make y'all feel old? Isn't that weird? 10 yes, years that's very weird. of Skyrim. 11, 11, 11. Exactly. So, so to talk about this special game, I, we've we've put together a vaunted group mm. of commentators. Uh, obviously, we've got the EIC here, Jacob Vance Hardesty. How y'all doing? Uh, we've got Red Lanyard Al. Hello. <laughs> and our special guests, our first ever special guests on the Phantom Correspondence, uh, we have Micah Spicer. Micah, how are you doing tonight? Hey, I'm doing good. I used to be an adventurer like you guys until I took an arrow to the knee, but I'm glad to be here with you today. Yeah, I, yeah. We, you know, we, we that that's actually a perfect segue into the first thing I want to talk about, which mm. was the cultural impact of mm. Skyrim. Uh, mm. Literally, when, you, Micah, you called uh, earlier today and uh, was asking Jake, you know, what time everything was, What's the first? That's the first thing you said to him, right? That you took an arrow to the that's knee. That's right. That's right. Yeah. yeah. And so, I mean, that just that just speaks to. Therefore, a bit. That's how we were talking to each other. Was yeah. just Skyrim quotes, mm -hmm. you know. <laughs> and that's the first thing you would say to people was like, "Where are you at in Skyrim?" Uh, Mike, I don't know. Can you believe ten years ago, me and you, close to ten years ago, me and you were standing in line at the Campbellsville GameStop, yeah. which. There's a GameStop in Campbellsville, which well, is a small, co small college town, and you know, a town of you know eight or ten thousand people. It gets a little bigger when you know the student dorm population's full. But the fact that you know we went to that midnight premiere and we found out there was a gaming community in that <laughs> community, and we did not know about that until we stood in line for that midnight launch. What's amazing is we had both graduated from Campbellsville at the point. I had taken my first church. Michael, we decided we would meet up there and just well, to we pre-ordered them several months before that. You know, like yeah. life got in the way, but we knew where our priorities were on 11, 11, 11. <laughs> Exactly. And we had we had one regret. Do you remember what our regret was that evening? Probably that we didn't dress up like half the people there. Well, yeah, that's true. That's we had two true. regrets. Okay, <laughs> we had two regrets. The other regret was we didn't get the ultimate edition. Yeah, uh, like, had like, the, 
Yeah, I know. Yeah, big Aldoan statue. Like as I'm looking at you right now, you've got that shelf over your uh, right shoulder there. I feel like Aldoan would look really good on that <laughs> shelf. You know, I've got a lot of video game um, nerdy stuff that would look good there if my wife granted me permission <laughs> to put them there. Trust <laughs> me, that's fair. <laughs> Well, I, you know, I, I do. Uh, I want to. I want to give y'all some stats real quick. Okay, uh, some interesting stats. I don't want to ask uh, Jake and Al. You know, just kind of uh, what their first impression of the game and things like that. Um, Skyrim, as of 2016, had sold 30 million copies, which is a pretty massive amount. It's the biggest selling game of uh, Generation Seven, which is the PS3 360. Um, and I guess, is that Wii we The Wii slash Wii U. Wii, 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 Wii U is kind of right in the middle. So I, I, I wasn't counting Wii, uh, but if you look at the top 20 sold games, it's the only one from that generation that's on there, uh, other than uh, Diablo 3, which I don't really count because I would assume like 90% of those were on computer. Mm -hmm. um, but this is just a, just a powerful concept of like how strong this game was. Uh, 30 million sold by 2016. That's not even... At 2016, um, we had just gotten the PS4 and the Xbox One versions, and that's not even counting the Switch version that's sold. Mm -hmm. So uh, 30 million copies. Of those 30 million copies, the, according to Todd Howard, according to the d data he's got, the vast majority of people play the game for 150-plus hours, which is astounding. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, most people don't play games mm -hmm. for 150 hours. And then... Um, you know, I I I gotta I gotta ask this real quick, okay? Uh, Al, we'll start with you. Um, when you think of the the impact that Skyrim's had um, culturally, you know what what do you what, what do you think of uh, just as far as the cultural impact from Skyrim? Yeah, um, I mean, this is one of those games that. Um, Especially when it came out, I mean, I had one of the experiences that I've only had with a couple other games where it felt like everyone I knew was playing Skyrim. Um, people who I didn't even know, like, played video games. Like, I found out they were playing video games because they were playing Skyrim. Um, and that's wild to me. Uh, whenever I think about the release of Skyrim, I think of one thing in particular. And... Um, I say this like without any exaggeration or hyperbole intended is that the way this game just was advertised before its release, uh, I think Skyrim has the best, most impressive, most hype trailer that a video game has ever had. Yeah, because um, yeah. you, you get that trailer and the hype for that game just becomes so tangible. Um, as you're watching it because it's an action fill trailer it has the swell of like the soundtrack already in it um and it's just and it was so well done and uh, um gosh i was 2011 i guess i just started my senior year of high school uh, when skyrim came out and um and that's like all anybody did um I was on like um, a, um, a soccer team at that time, and I would go to practice, and half the team would be out from practice <laughs> because they were home playing Skyrim. Like <laughs> it was so, it was so insane, and you don't, you don't get a lot of games like that 
anymore. I feel like game, the games industry has blown up um, a lot since that time, since way back in 2011. Um, it's blown up a lot, and I feel like the general hype and the general um, use of video games have increased, but to the scale that like um, Skyrim reached, where just everybody I knew was playing that game. I feel like I haven't really experienced that kind of release of a game since. Um, and to the point where if I meet the average human being, I I just kind of assume, hey, this person has probably played some Skyrim in their time. Like if I'm, if I'm trapped on an elevator with this person for hours, I know that one of my fallback <laughs> topics of conversation can probably be the first quest line they did in Skyrim because it's just <laughs> it's just hugely used and hugely played, and it's it's crazy. A lot of games, Skyrim is one of the few games, and even I think it's been re-released and redone a little bit too many times. But it's one of the few games that can, um, that kind of earns that pass to have been remastered and remade and all that good stuff, like over 10 years to the sustained popularity that it has. I don't really see a lot of games who could have that kind of long standing viability uh, that Skyrim has had. It's crazy. It, it really is. Uh, you, you talk about conversations you've had with people it reminds me of uh, in the late 80s early 90s they would discuss tv shows as a water cooler talk you know like you would hang out at the water cooler you'd talk about something i think skyrim is probably the only time i've actively engaged in that other than maybe game of thrones uh you know because everything now is you know online and stuff and and skyrim was something that you're right if you knew someone was playing you were like well where are you at at it jake uh you know you had probably some of those similar situations i i absolutely did um i was working at a restaurant at the time and i had been there just over a year okay so what restaurant was it um, you know, we're, we're not, we're not going to, you know, making, you know, uh, brand names or anything on this. When they start paying up is when Jake starts. <laughs> exactly. You know, the, the, the sponsorship is, is, is when I'll start talking about the restaurant because I have a lot of good memories of that restaurant, but one of the best ones was the first like month after Skyrim came out because Al, you talked about people not uh, that you didn't know were gamers or whatever play video games were coming up to you. I had, I would say this woman was in her mid to late fifties at the time. And she came up to me and said, and said, Jacob, my grandson's been playing this game and I have been loving watching every single moment of it. And I was like, Oh, well, well, what game is it? And she goes, I really don't know. But he walks around, he's got a sword, and there's dragons that just come out of nowhere. And I was like, he's playing Skyrim. And I'm so glad that you are watching him play Skyrim. And she's like, yeah, no, I can't wait to get home and watch him play Skyrim. And I'm like, that is that is the, one of the best things I've ever heard, is that this game was not only bringing in people who may not have necessarily been gamers or really uh, played a whole lot of video games before um, or even picked up a controller – but they still wanted to gather, like like you said, like, like around like a television and watch someone else play. And it's one of the few 
I would say it's one of the few like big RPGs that you can actually do that with, where where watching someone play Skyrim is almost as much fun as playing it mm-hmm. because you're talking about the different quest lines. What where should you go next? What should you do next? You know, watching people's different builds because Lord knows, I me personally the I've maybe. I can't even think of how many different restarts I've had of that game, but I've never really played the same way twice. Um, and I honestly, I think you're kind of screwing up if you do. Um, but the thing is, is like you do, like you said, you know, people wouldn't just show up to soccer practice. Do we have people calling out from work? We have people just, uh, just like, yeah, I'm not coming to the day. I'm playing Skyrim. You know, just just out of nowhere, just you know, line cooks are just gone. You know, <laughs> just where are they? Are they okay? That we haven't heard from them. They're probably playing Skyrim. Yeah. You know, it's just no one's actually dead. They're just playing. Yeah, Skyrim. exactly. Yeah. You know, and uh, I, I think I think the 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 one part that annoyed me the most is I never actually did call out. So the people that did call out were levels ahead of me, and they would always yeah. uh, kind of lord that over me, yeah. and. Were were I were I where I am now in in my set in my in my life, I would have absolutely called out to play Skyrim, um, and I should have then. Honestly, I, I if I could go back and tell seventeen year old Jacob to do one thing, just one thing, it would be you could call out to play Skyrim more. <laughs> <laughs> Words to live by. I'll tell you what, we we give great moral advice. Absolutely. Yeah, I can see like I mean, there's an illustration there. You know, Jake at Judgment Day and and God saying. Is there anything you'd had, you know, if you could have done over that you'd like to do? Yeah, I, I really wanted to play Skyrim more, and just didn't <laughs> I completely agree. Complete. And by the way, I'm a, I'm a minister when I'm not uh, talking about video games, so I, I completely concur with that, Jake. Well done, good and faithful. Well, well, well Mike, a good and faithful servant. Uh, this next question, I'll, I'll we'll start with you here. Uh, how many hours did you put into Skyrim? I, 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 you know, I don't know, uh, but my guess is over 400. Um, and I say that as someone who beat the game, um, you know, and the DLC content, you know, upwards of three times. Okay. So, and then, and then there were a couple other times that I just played around for 30 or 40 hours, but didn't, didn't finish. So I put a lot of, a lot of time into that game. Okay. Al, what about you? How many hours you got in it? Um, oh gosh, I'm, I'm not sure. I don't think I have as many hours, um, as that. I think I probably have around 200, 250, it's probably the range. Jake, what do you think? I'd say probably closer to Al's, just because I never... I never actually played the DLCs. I, I know that's I know that's crazy. I oh know, yeah. God, the, the, oh, but you're even the DLCs are great. Talk about uh, this. Yeah, well, there's an entire section of this podcast you can't even. Yeah, I, I know, and and, yeah, and I'm and I'm sorry. You, know? you can leave, Jacob. Uh, it's, yes, it, it's yeah. like playing God of War and not fighting the Valkyries. It's it kind is. Of- <laughs> it's comparable. <laughs> Man, just okay. Well, those are the next three. Just what is God mm-hmm. of War Quest for Platinum? But after that, it's all of Skyrim's DLCs. So, I've but but we are reframing your uh, judgment before God one day, and now you're rethinking yeah. that and all it's, of those things, those regrets, you know. So go ahead and take care of those things now so you don't have those regrets. Then. Okay. <laughs> That's true, Jacob. I bet you would have beaten the DLCs if you had called out from work more. You know, I, I, think, I think I would have. <laughs> yeah, I, I I would say I probably put, uh, I know when I beat it the first time, when I when I got through the, because I, I was trying to do as much stuff before I ended the main storyline. Uh, when I finally beat the main storyline the first time, I was at 171 hours, and I would imagine 
with the DLCs and everything else, probably about another, I'd probably I'd probably be about two fifty. Uh, so so not so not quite as much as Micah. Obviously, that's why we have you on here, Micah, because you are the resident expert. Uh, so so as the resident expert, uh, ne- next quick round uh, style of play. I know we we all I, we all probably had two two different ones. Micah, you probably had three different ones. But what is your preferred style of play in this game? Like what like what was your character build? Uh, definitely your uh, and definitely include uh, race or species. You know, I, I'm definitely a high elf. Um, you know, strong destruction magic and really like uh, conjuration. Uh, want to have you know Atronox with me everywhere I'm going, and I'm wanting to do a lot of destruction. Maybe pick up a sword for the side, but that's that's the way I play. Al, what about you? Um, I just want to say, just <laughs> take that sound clip from just now and just <laughs> and just run that back on the loop and and incite just huge a huge new wave of satanic panic in Owensville <laughs> <laughs> with your with your pastor saying, "Well, I'm a I'm a high elf sorcerer with my Atronax accent." <laughs> just a whole new wave. It'd be Dungeons and Dragons in the '80s all over again. Um, <laughs> Um, I, I really enjoyed playing, um, spell swords. And so having kind of the dual wield kind of, um, sword and destruction magic, um, in both hands. So, um, for that, I think I primarily played the Breton race, I think, is the optimized, um, race for spell sword. So, yeah, it was good fun. Jake, what about you? So my primary uh, and my my starter was always Wood Elf and Archer. Um, that I would just put as much as I could into like sneak, acrobatics, and and archery, and just go for it, you know, from there. Um, which got me uh, got me in some trouble with uh, certain fights, but actually. Um, uh, the archer helped me out pretty well against the dragon. I will, I will admit that. But you you can't sneak up on a dragon. Just a heads up. Um, that's just you know once once there's a dragon, just your sneak's gone. Congratulations. You get, you get one shot in on a dragon before it knows you're there. Well, if, it's like if if you're coming up on it, but if it's one that just spawns randomly, you're in trouble. Yeah, exactly. Like, if if the music hits in and you just feel the boom, <laughs> like you're like, well, sneak is gone. <laughs> can't hide behind this tree and he won't know I'm there. <laughs> Uh, I, I I played straight up just you know brawler double hands uh, on the uh, on the battle axe or on uh, great sword the great sword uh, yeah yeah right there you go Alyssa there we go uh, giving some heavy armor what's great is like I remember the first time first time Mike came over and visited me and I was probably thirty five hours into the game and my destruction magic was at a sixteen and my conjuration was still at a fifteen, which are the basis. But my healing my healing magic, uh I got a camera with that what is that called in that? Restoration. Uh, restoration. restoration, yes. Restoration was like at a sixty seven or something like that. Cause I, you know, cause there's a lot of times you're running. You got that hand going, man. You know, so yeah, I was that's that that happened a lot. So uh uh, but yeah, I was I was just straight up. I, here's what I will say: you got some pretty awesome animations playing that way. You know, I mean, you you just run up on someone low level in you and send their head flying, dude, or you know, pick them up with a sword and they're just like impelled on the sword. It was really cool. 
Um, you were a Nord, weren't you? Oh no, yeah, yeah. No, I was a Nord. I, yeah. I, I, I played Nord in Oblivion, so I just went pretty much straight over from Oblivion to uh, Skyrim, which is also a good transition. So Skyrim, of course, is a you know the, the sequel to Oblivion. Um, Oblivion actually, some of the Oblivion stuff has some bearing, particularly on some of the side quests in this game. Uh, you're about 300 years after the stuff that happens in Oblivion, mm-hmm. I think. Uh, you can read all these type, all these books on old Tiber Septum and all that stuff that happened in all the Oblivion Gates and the Lusty Argonian Maid and and the and the Lusty Argonian Maid. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, they keep reusing that one. That one's in Elder Scrolls Online too. And I'm assuming that in the next installment of Elder Scrolls, we're going to see a lot more Lusty Argonian Maids. I would, I would assume as well. It's uh, a classic. It is a classic. <laughs> yeah, well, so the fact that it's a classic brings me into this. And I got to ask this question, and uh, Al will start with you. Um, can you think of another game who, that has such established lore in it uh, and that goes so deep as Elder Scrolls? Mm. That's a good question, man. Um, I mean, there's a lot... In Elder Scrolls, I mean, you're talking about a a franchise that's been oh gosh, it's been around. Um, I'm gonna answer, and then we'll have a guest appearance by Fact Heckin' Boy because oh. I'm interested on when the very first Elder Scrolls game came out. Um, but um, I mean, if I really had to say, uh, there aren't a lot. Um, and the one that comes to mind is actually one I don't even know very well. I just know from hand experiences of friends who play it um i know the warhammer series of games is like insane when it comes to lore um has like a crazy established uh, world and universe over the years um uh, so that's the franchise that comes to mind but um i mean yeah like it's really I don't think it's appreciated uh, the detail put into Skyrim and other Elder Scrolls games, but especially Skyrim, because when it comes to reading any of the books in Skyrim, I mean, like you can you can actually read the books. You can sit down and flip through the pages and and gain some semblance of a story and lore and information, like from from the random books you find. Um, um, which is crazy, and I think was really underappreciated um, as time has gone on, as games have gotten have gotten larger and have picked up on how impressive that is, and have done it in other games now. But I mean, yeah, they they really <laughs> um, enjoy their world building, which is uh, which is cool. Uh, I'm gonna gonna call f- 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 Fact Chicken Boy real quick because y'all okay, why, y'all continue why to discuss. Uh, Mike, probably the only game that um, might might have a might have lore as deep in it is, is another game you're extremely familiar with, which is uh, Witcher. Uh, c- compare and contrast the two; uh, they're both very deep in lore. Uh, does one do one thing better than the other? You think? I mean, the only thing I was going to say is, I mean, you know, uh, Bethesda, in my opinion, does a better job of anyone of creating that world. Uh, and that's that's certainly the case in the Fallout series as well. But but it certainly was was um, you know right there in in Skyrim. The difference is The Witcher's got a books series behind it, and now there's a TV shows in The Witcher, and so there are all these outside sources 
um, where Geralt's story is coming into play, and you're talking about just nothing outside of Skyrim. I mean, it's Elder Scrolls, it's Oblivion, it's Morrowind, it's just video games telling the story and creating what's around it. Uh, I mean, obviously, when you, uh, especially as nerdy as as we are and as nerdy as our viewers are, I mean, we we like Star Wars, we like, um, you know, the... Um, you know, the Hobbit and Lord of the Rings series. So we play Shadow of War and stuff like that, you know, um, and in these games, you know, you do get a lot of backstory and then just the universe is really big, but Bethesda creates that within itself. They don't have to go outside. And I think that's what they do better than anyone, or at least in my experience with video gaming. But yeah, you asked specifically about The Witcher. What I would say in terms of the cultural impact of Skyrim is that Skyrim sets the bar. And so if a game comes out and it's not, it doesn't have a really good story, good fighting, good character development, um, you know, like The Witcher 3 was, then it's doomed to fail. But of course, you know, The Witcher 3 to me was, um, you know, it was an incredible game and a video game experience. And part of that was because of the lore and the character development and just the plot of the game. But Skyrim set that bar high for The Witcher to come out in the next generation and execute, and they did. Yeah, I think that's I think that's well said. Yeah, I think one of the things that I really like about Elder Scrolls, uh, um, at least in comparison to Oblivion, I think Elder Scrolls Five has a much stronger base campaign than uh, Oblivion does because Oblivion, mm-hmm. of course, has all the Oblivion gates, which just get uh, tedious, nauseatingly tedious yeah. after a while. Um, <laughs> five has this really epic storyline involving dragons and has a lot of history to it and everything like that. Um, Al, when, when, when did the first one come out? When did Arena uh, come out? Oh, yeah. Um, <clears throat> fact checking boy. Thank, thank you, Al. Thank you. Um, yeah. Um, I'm getting the harmony there at the end. I'm getting better with practice. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> Elder Scrolls One, um, also uh, known as the Elder Scrolls Arena. Came out on March twenty fifth, nineteen ninety four. It's about what I thought. And then I was four, I was four months old, baby. Is is, is Daggerfall ninety eight then? I guess. Um, Morrowind was. Morrowind was on Xbox. Daggerfall's ninety six. Yeah. Okay. Because uh, I knew they took a I knew they took a break between that and Morrowind. Well, somewhere to not not similar to the break they're taking now. Um, okay. Um, but you, you do have this established uh, world and everything, and and Jake, I, I do want to talk a little bit about the the main campaign. Um, the 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 main campaign grab you, or was it just something that you were just like, oh no, I just want to go do some side quests. It was it was interesting how much I wanted to do the main campaign actually, um, because of course the the main campaign really there's never there well one there's never a point where it's a single quest line like it keeps like branching off into other yeah. things, particularly if because you can't really separate like the Civil War from the dragons, which is really kind of an interesting thing because both of those stories have to kind of happen concurrently. Um, and of course, while any storyline is happening, a dragon can come, out, can come out of nowhere, and that's always that's always a big thing. Um, I was, let's see, I probably finally beat the the fir- the main storyline. 
I would say I put at least at least 100 hours in already. And I, I'm one I want to say it was like 2015 or something before I finally just sat down and just played through to the end. Um, and and it kept surprising me because all the way up to the final the final battle with Alduin, I, I was like, that's a that's a really cool way to do to do this finale. Um, because, because of course the thought process, anytime that you're doing, you know, a third person or a first person view is how can you make that interesting with a giant dragon? You know, how can you make that visually interesting? Well, you add like ethereal fog and you have to like constantly like disperse it and, uh, use dragon rend to bring them down to the ground and everything. It's, it's a really cool style of, of how they just finished it. And so I love the quest, the, the main quest line. I, there was so much to it more than just than just like you said kind of like a basic kind of eh, good hero go go fight the go fight the bad guys you know i i just thought it was really good yeah the the main quest on i think like i said is really strong um but it's really easy to get off that main path easy um, oh yeah you know mike i know you you played a lot of uh, oblivion and uh, as well um oblivion as an open world game Skyrim as an open world game. What, 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 what's the compare and contrast for me? Well, I mean, for me, Oblivion was kind of my introduction to video games in that regard or that genre. Uh, and Josh, you you were the culprit of that. Mm-hmm. Um, it was two thousand. It was it was Christmas of two thousand and ten is when I bought my three hundred and sixty. And at that point, my video game, you know, was you know experiences were you know. Super Nintendo, you know, King Griffey Jr. Baseball, he was my Bo Jackson, or just, you know, Super Mario World, Donkey Kong Country, those kind of things. So I get the the 360, and, you know, I get like, you know, it was GameStop had the, you know, buy two, get one free used game. So I end up with, you know, the Assassin's Creed game and a sports game, um, and I, I don't know what else. And but, but anyway, I remember that Christmas break, you brought me like Fable, uh, you know, Fable 2, you brought me Oblivion, you brought me a, a few games, but and you were basically like, hey, here's Oblivion, but don't ask me a lot about this because it's just a lot, and, you know, yeah. I didn't finish it all the way through, and I'm not going to be able to help you. You just need to explore it on your own. So, you know, I don't know what I'm doing. You know, so, Jake, to your character, like, I get this ideal archer thief, this wood elf, and I don't know really know how to play him, so I'm just running around with a sword, and I don't understand how the skill trees are set up or how leveling works or anything like that. But I basically play almost all the way through Oblivion and then Skyrim's coming out. And then I play Skyrim, and I, but I've actually, I've learned from my mistakes in Oblivion to figure out how to play in Skyrim. And Skyrim's interface is a lot easier about understanding how the leveling works and what your goals are. And so then it prompted me after I beat Skyrim the first time to go back through and to play through and beat Oblivion. And of course, you know, I, at this time, I'm still new to the 360. So Oblivion is still aged really well at this point. And uh, so, I mean, but I would say, I mean, Oblivion as an open world game is is pretty incredible uh, for when it was established. Um, I agree with you. The storyline there got really frustrating because of those dang Oblivion gates. 
But um, you know, I think they did a I think they did a superb job there. It's just they just you know they they took Skyrim and they built upon what they'd already done and just improved the world and the open world experience tremendously. Al, what makes uh, the open world work so well in Skyrim? Um, I think it's a combination of um, the fact that the open world in general is done really well in that game. But it's complemented by the fact that it's really a fantasy setting. And um, on top of it being a fantasy setting is that the story itself allows itself to be um, very open-ended, right? So, you know, there's a lot of open world games where you kind of drop into it. And before you really get to the open world aspect of a lot of open world games you kind of have to go through the motions of doing like the first couple of of quests or the first couple objectives and then it kind of tries to get you hooked into the story a lot more and then after you get past that first um few parts then it's just like okay here's the open world you can go climb the watchtower if it's an ubisoft game there's going to be 18 watchtowers on the map you can go and climb those Um, and then you can get back into the main story what works so well with skyrim is that skyrim has the intro where alduin uh, comes and crashes your execution um from there where it teaches you just um, the bare basics of how to play the game it's literally just like okay now you can go do whatever you want to uh whereas other games were um, have tried to be like, okay, you can go over there and you can go over here, but like, have to follow the rules. This is a video game. You have to go into the main story. Skyrim really t- didn't care very much if you actually follow the main story or not. They were just like, yeah. if you don't, if you choose to not do that first part after, um, after the opening, like, dragons won't even spawn. And you can play through all of the different guilds and all of the different side quests without any dragons even popping up for the rest of the game. And, I did not know that. Yeah, and it you works have to go really to the Watchtower. Well. When you go to the Watchtower and fight that dragon, then they spawn everywhere. But until then, yeah. they're, they're not everywhere. Yeah, yeah. And so, um, and so it really does something that a lot of open world games don't do. And I think it's because that... Uh, Bethesda's approach to open world was just in a different space than a lot of other open world games because Bethesda's approach was here's an open world and we actually want the player to have agency in what they do. Um, And like overall, they can be the kind of character they want to be. They can go where they want to go. They can do storylines that they want to do. Whereas a lot of open world games are, are more so like the player can have agency as far as you know, are they going to complete this part of the map first or this part of the map first or this part of the map first? But they're going to be going to do the same kind of things and follow the same kind of general goal. Whereas, especially with Skyrim, Skyrim was just, hey man, I gave you a world. You can do whatever you want to now. I don't even care if you encounter a second dragon this entire game. You can just go do whatever you want to. Um, and that kind of player agency, I think, is why you can get lost in that world so much because it actually feels like you're on your own adventure. Whereas a lot of open world games, it feels like you're trying to to 
to procrastinate on doing the main stuff. Um, and I think that's really the difference in those kinds of games. And that that player agency leads to a lot of uh, a lot of fun and unexpected things, which is I want to take a little interpolation here and uh, just give me give me your favorite story <clears throat> of something that happened that just came out of nowhere while you were just exploring the open world or maybe in a quest or whatever. Something that shocked you. Jake, we'll start with you. Uh, werewolves. 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 Yeah, just I because I didn't know what the companions were at the time. Um, and that was the first quest line that I did. Yeah, me too. And um, that was also a very difficult quest line for me because, once again, I'm an archer. And for some reason, I don't know why, both in Oblivion and in Skyrim, the first two quest lines I did do not work well for an archer at all. Because the first one I did in Oblivion was the arena, and then the first one I did in Skyrim was the companions. And... The first companion mission that you do is, like, I think you're taking out, like, some witches or something. That's actually pretty... You only take, fight, like, two or three people. That one's not too bad. The second mission you do, you fight these things. It starts with a C and an H. I, I can't remember what they're called. They're Charis, right? Is it Charis? Is that it? Yeah. The centipede thing. Okay. All right. That's the second thing you do. Okay. So you're going into the... So you go into this cave. And once again, I'm level three, maybe, at this point. Okay. You go into this cave... And you see this monstrosity coming at you with, with the little pincers, you know, do, doing this. That, that, that's the motion they do. Um, and they're just coming right at you. And I'm an archer, so I'm just trying to back up and just keep shooting. For, for the Patreon, can we get the pincher motion again? Yes, yes, yes. Okay. That's the pincher motion right there. Just want to make the Patreon worth it. I think it's worth, be worth like this. It's like you're playing a two-ended drum. That's really nice. So that alone is bad enough. But once again, I'm an archer, so I'm trying to back up. Then they start shooting stuff at you, and then you realize it's acid, and it's poisoning you. Mm-hmm. So not only am I now poisoned and losing health rapidly, I'm getting surrounded by, like, three of these things, and then I don't know where a goblin's randomly in there, and he's having just as bad a day as I am because he's trying to take the things on, too. Um, and just – it. That first mission, that mission, just I, I think I played through that maybe two hours, like two solid hours, just trying to get through that, and then I was just like, I'm gonna come back later. I'm gonna just the, the companions are going off to the side for right now, um, and I'll do other things and then come back later. Um, and that quest line actually also had my first uh, Skyrim glitch, which I don't know if you were gonna mention that, but the PS3 version of Skyrim actually had a lot of really bad glitches at I the don't start. Care. I don't either. It's a fantastic game. But I beat one of the bandit strongholds just randomly, like, going through the world. And then the last mission I could not do because that stronghold was already taken oh, out. Already taken so out. so literally every time I go to the Companions, there's just people lying everywhere, and they're all dead. But I can't, I can't fix it. I yeah, can't do anything. That happened a lot in, uh, in, the, in the early days. Uh, yeah, which, well, I'll, I'll bring up my – I'll talk about that when I talk about mine. Which I imagine, Mikey, you know what my story is going to be. But Al, uh, Al, what, fa- favorite story, man? Yeah, um, I like <laughs> Jacob's story a lot because because um, the pincers. Like, uh, yeah, well, yeah. Um, <laughs> like, uh, correct me if I'm wrong. Isn't the second companion's quest 
randomized depending on who you take it from. Because <laughs> don't you have the option to take work from like Ayla or Valkis or whoever you take it from? You know, I, I don't know the answer to that. I, I think it is. And the reason I think that's, well, the reason I think that is because I don't remember taking on a charge for a very long time. And the first thing I did was companion quest. Gotcha. I think my headcanon is going to be <laughs> that it is randomized because that makes <laughs> because that makes Jacob's story way more fun. <laughs> I just happened to take the job that had a Charis in it. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember um, entering the open world for the first time after the intro, heading, I think I headed west um, from Helgen, and um, I saw um, the giants just kind of hanging out around a camp with like their go elephant boys and i was just like oh okay hell yeah i got this like i've got like a i can shoot fire from my hands and i can do all kinds of stuff like i got this this is fun um and so i just i just kind of walked up and i was just like what's up boy and like i shot some fire at him and he hits me and my character goes flying (laughs) like goes shoots into the stratosphere and and um um and spoiler alert i died and and that happened and it respawned me and i was just like okay i'm gonna go east it's a, where do i it's get a, a club like that <laughs> what's that where do i get a club like that There's yeah exactly those clubs where do i get one of those yeah eventually i get to like level 25 i take out a giant and like I go to loot, and it's just like, hey man, you want his toes? And I'm just like, no, I want, the- <laughs> I want whatever it was he hit me with. But that isn't an option, unfortunately. But um, no, I think um, I think that's a pretty universal one for a lot of players too. Was their first encounter with a giant being a little bit harder than they initially thought it would be. But that got me just because I went, I just went flying. Uh, I broke the skybox with my body. It was crazy. It was really good. <laughs> good stuff. Uh, Micah, favorite story, man? Yeah, I mean, for me, you know, and, and we have very different experiences playing because, you know, I am the the mage Sork, um, you know, who's doing destruction and conjuration and just, you know, trying not to take a lot of physical damage. So anytime I got in a scuffle my strategy was, especially with like a dominant character who I couldn't just take out quickly, my strategy was to avoid. And what that meant is that if I had my Dramora Lord or, or my you know, my Dramora Lord conjured or some kind of flame thrall or frost or, or storm something, then um, I would try to, you know, get behind them and let them absorb the damage. But until you level yourself up you're not able to you know conjure anything that strong so you find the next person um you know who is a civilian to run behind them and then that (laughs) civilian would whip out a knife and go and try to attack that thing and so like this happened to me frequently during the game and you probably can relate to this because um dragons and monsters whatever it is they will chase you across the plains of skyrim uh and will not let you get away you know do not pass go do not collect 200 dollars. do not save your game like you're gonna have to beat this thing or you're done like start all over um and i remember you know when i was fighting a dragon um uh, in riverwood one time uh you know this 
dragon was beefed up and again i can't take that much physical damage and it takes me a while to get that dragon down you know and the people are out there you know whipping out their knives attacking this dragon you know and this dragon lays waste to everyone in riverwood nearly like people that i had grown very fond of and after 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 this sequence of events happens you know and then i absorb this dragon's soul his bones are laying there in riverwood along with all these dead people in the community and then i'm going about my own business and then I get a courier that comes up to me, okay? And, you know, when the courier comes to visit you and stops you and, and you know, says, you know, I've got something for you. Oh, a letter about your inheritance. And then I find out that these people have, you know, bequeathed me money in their, you know, out of their inheritance. And I'm like, man, I literally just sacrificed their lives so that I could, you know, bring peace to the realm, and, you know, like, I've literally sacrificed them and they're leaving me money. What what good and admirable things that these people are doing and how, how kind they are. But that, for my experience, for, for me to sacrifice them and for them to then leave me money, um, just an incredible story of virtue and, um, and me. <laughs> <laughs> that, that is beautiful. It's that confrontation with virtual mortality that... <laughs> First inspired him to become a pastor. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. exactly. Uh, so there's a there's a town called Mockhart, and essentially this town uh, is basically a corrupt town. And the whole gist of the town is, uh, you if if you get caught doing something or whatever, the cop the the cops or the the guards whatever they're gonna take you to jail. Okay. <laughs> And no matter what, the problem is, is that uh, what happens is, is that if you walk in there with any type of bounty, that bounty, you can't pay it. You just can't pay it no matter what. So there's no way to get out of going to jail. So I think it's a dark brotherhood mission where you have to go and talk to this woman who wants her husband killed or whatever. And she's in Mockharf and you can't do it because literally while you're talking to her, these guards will come up and just start hacking at you while you're having a conversation. <laughs> so I remember, I remember getting real frustrated with this and like the frustration was almost to the point of like, I'm just going to abandon all quest lines. I have anything to do with Mockharf, which is bad because all quest lines go through there at some point. Mm -hmm. And so I finally got to the point where every time I walked in there, you know, it was always a challenge and, and th there's a whole quest line that goes with going to jail, but I didn't want to do that. And so I decided I'm just going to kill whoever comes after me. Okay. <laughs> I'm just tired of this. Okay. So I remember Mike, I think you came over at one point and, and I was just, I would, what I would do, there's a little in at the top of the, of the stairway there on the right side. I would go in there, heal myself, walk out, kill a bunch of guards, walk back in. And I just kept doing this. And at one point, there's just like 30 guards on the ground, just dead. And I remember and I remember my bounty ended up being like 160,000 gold or something like that. It's a, some astronomical number. And of course, that was, a, that was a glitch. I was in the game, but at the time, I wasn't connected to the internet, so there was nothing I could do about mm -hmm. it. That was a glitch I was in the game was that there was no way to pay off your bounty. Mm -hmm. So you just had to 
kill them until they stop sending them. And I guess I just, you know, ended every guard in mock car. If I just, they just were done. I, um, I think the funnier, like, like head cannon is the, <laughs> the innkeep. Like, just like, <laughs> like we need a table. This man keeps running in. Just, I'm going to heal myself. <laughs> and then exits, yeah. commits atrocities, and yeah. comes back, back yeah. in. Just, I'm not getting involved. Just <laughs> another day in our cars. It was just, it, it was just, in fact, but I mean, they did stop. Eventually, but, they stopped. But, it, but, but when you go into Markarth for the first time, there's a stabbing in the street. Yeah. And just this forsworn undercover guy stabs this woman, and oh, then yeah. you know the guy nabs you there to the side, leaves you, and he's like, "Hey, do you drop this note?" And of course, he's like, "Meet me here." And you're you're going and trying to discover this conspiracy that leads you to the you know the king of rags who is you know running everything from the jail himself, and that's how you end up in jail. Uh, and Josh, our experiences were very different in that mission, and I think that's what happened. You played it one way, and when you played it, you know, you pissed the guards off to where they wanted to fight you the rest of the game because yeah. it, and you did a, you basically did a prison break, right? Yeah, I, yeah, I, I did a prison break. Yeah. So you fought your way out. I just killed the guy. And of course, I remember when we were talking about this, you're like, well, how did you kill a guy? All you had was a shiv. And I was like, yeah, I had Atronox and I had Destruction Magic too. And I just gave him everything I had and killed him. You know, and I didn't need the shiv. And you were like, well, that didn't work for me because my Destruction was level 16 and my Conjuration was level 15. So I had to do this other thing. But I remember when I got out of that mission, like the guard standing there and he's like, hey, thanks for taking care of him for me. And then he gives me all my stuff back. And, you know, it gives me, like, gold, too. So, like, I had made friends with the guards where you had made enemies with your jailbreak, and they just were not, you know, willing to forgive you, like, you know, the the faithful servants of Riverwood and how they forgave me and then left me money when I left them for dead. <laughs> I mean, it, it, is, it is interesting the different paths we can take. Uh, but I just... I just I remember just getting really frustrated at that and just being like, well, I guess I just can't go there. And then, of course, like I said, every storyline, companions take you there, Dark Brother takes you there, every every storyline takes you there. Um, <laughs> I just I just love that you had, had created your character a certain way, so when you went into the mines, it was literally a recreation of the scene of like, I'm not locked in here with you. <laughs> like, <laughs> you're locked in here with me. Yeah, and you basically. just summon three monsters and start setting people on fire. So uh, so I, I do want to transition, of course, the big the the big uh, the big change to Skyrim, the biggest change to Skyrim, the big addition to Skyrim is dragons, which up to this point in every every game something that was kind of Remarked about Oblivion, of course, talks about the dragons. Morrowind talks about the dragons. It, it was a it was a big change uh, to have these randomized dragon attacks. Um, Al, what did you what did you think of the dragons? Some people get frustrated with them. Some people like them. What do you think? Um, I thought the dragons were fine. Um, I mean, after you kill like your first ten or so, um, you do. At least I kind of experienced um, the novelty of the encounters kind of starting to wear off. But um, I will say that um, the dragon fights 
in my opinion, are best when you go and seek out the um, the dragon roosts on the map. Mm-hmm. Um, because usually you go there, there's a dragon there, there's a bunch of treasure, there's like a wall with a word of power on it. And so like the rewards that you're going to get from seeking out that fight are way better than just a random encounter with a dragon. And usually the fight is way better too because the roost is kind of uh, designed spatially to allow for the dragon to land more often so the fight isn't um, as as tedious and frustrating. You don't have have to rely on dragon rend as much um, if you even have it um, at that point of the game. Um, so I thought the dragon encounters by far were the best when you actually went... Um, and sought them out at the Dragon Roost. Especially, I think there's two of the dragon places that have dragon priests at them too. So when you have uh, the really challenging encounter of having a dragon priest and a dragon at the same time, um, those were really, really great fights that I enjoyed. So I thought they were um, at their best at that point. But overall, they were great. I mean, they were hugely impressive, especially for when that game came out. Um, uh, They were probably the best done uh, dragon encounters um, in any game. So overall, they were great. Yeah, dragon priests were a, a lot of fun as well, although I, I, sometimes frustrating, but you always got a cool mask out of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was probably the best part. I remember the first time I ran into one, it was it was randomly. I was sliding down a mountain, uh, you know, like trying to... Dude, I, I didn't want to take the roads, you know. No one takes as the roads. Sure. So you're sliding down a mountain, I just ran into like this little alcove that had a you know, a big like entryway, and then this thing I'd never oh, seen yeah. before, exactly. And I was not anywhere near leveled to take on this thing. Um, so yeah, they, they were a cool addition. Uh, Jake, what do you think of the dragons, man? I I loved them. I I, re- I really did. Um, I mean, it's one of, it's one of those things where it's like when it comes to, like different mythological creatures, just even throughout history, dragons are. I mean, dragons have a, you, everyone loves dragons, you know. Um, I thought, and I'm with Al, I thought, I thought the AI on them, I thought they were very well designed. I never really had too many, um, like, glitches with them. Um, I think I did have one where, like, their wing got stuck on a tree at one point, um, which is actually kind of sad more than anything. Um, I remember my favorite encounter with one, though, was actually on a mountain because it was a very steep hill. And for some reason... <clears throat> the way that the tree line worked, um, they couldn't really get off of the ground. So, basically, I ran up the mountain, and then they were at the bottom, and it was basically the scene from Jaws, only imagine if he had, like, a bow and arrow, like, at, <laughs> at, at, at the time. Because, like, he kept coming after me, yeah. and I kept going up this hill, and it was just, that was kind of, like, a really, th- that's the interesting thing about, about Skyrim is, like, you know, you don't really know how how many interesting moments you're going to have because the way the AI works and the way that the game works, different things like that can happen, you know. And I think that's kind of what makes it such an interesting game. Even ten years down the road, even I'm assuming another ten years down the road, people playing will still enjoy it, stuff like that. Um, so I, I love the dragons, and that was that was probably my favorite encounter with one was just was just kind of going down that hill and him coming up and just you know kind of charging against each other basically. So, yeah. Uh, Micah, talk about uh, two things here. Uh, one, Parthenax, 
And then two, if you were ever going to apologize to me for uh, convincing me that I had to kill Parthenox to end this game, you killed Parthenox. Um, uh, now's the time to do it. Yeah. See, no, I didn't kill Parthenox. Okay. I, see, I, so, so I'm not convinced that I ever actually beat the game. But, but I remember when Delphine. See, like you know, at some point I was thinking, like you know, because like. You know, I'm a single guy. Delphine's a single girl, you know, and, and, you know, we've really bonded in this experience. And, you know, maybe I can wear my amulet of Mara and get her to marry me and stuff. And then she wants me to kill Parthenax. So I felt really bad. and was like, I'm not going to do that. So I attacked her. But, of course, she couldn't die. She just went down to a knee and then would get back up eventually. So, anyway, things didn't work out between us um, as the high elf. An interruption. You can beat the game without killing Parthenax. Yes. Okay. Yeah, I never, I never defeated him, but I, I tried to attack her, but I never did beat Parthenax. Well, the, 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 what was interesting is I remember it got, I got to this point because you were a little ahead of me, particularly in the main storyline. Yeah. Uh, because I, I did everything really slow because I always was exploring everything, and like I was like, they want me to kill Parthenax, and you said, you know, you if if you want the blades on your side, you've got to kill Parthenax, which seemed to imply to me that you had to do it to win the game. Then, literally, I mean, we're talking ten years later. I find out that ninety five percent of the people that have beat this game did not kill Parthenax. Yeah. Okay, and, and and not not only not only can you beat not it's it's a it, it's a worse boss fight than Alduin because he's ridiculous. Yeah, he is he is a you, ridiculously difficult you, dragon. You deserve what you're getting. You know? And then also because it's Parthenax who is the best character in the game. Yeah, and so at this point, Mike, I'll let you explain uh, the awesomeness of Parthenax. Look at how disappointing yeah. this is. Yeah, I know. I'm I'm sorry, Alyssa. No, no, but 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 tell me though. Like, how does the game end if you don't beat Parthenax? Because I don't know. I mean, you just... I, I, well, I mean... Well, okay, I mean, I guess in the state you go and you still fight Alduin. Yeah. You just don't... Well, I mean, no, 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 no. You beat Alduin, and then they ask you to go kill Parthenax. So you've already defeated Alduin before they no, even ask you to beat... We have... Okay, so... Okay, so this is going to be a Phantom Correspondence controversy. There's that meeting, okay, between... Yeah. Um, I'm looking this up. There's that meeting between <laughs> the... the and Ulfric and... Yeah, okay, and so you're at that round table. After that meeting, the Blades are like, hey, I've heard you've been conversing with a dragon. You need to go take care of that, okay? And so I did, because I thought I had to do that in order to get the storyline going, but you don't have to. Everything still happens the exact same way, apparently, which makes sense because... You know, like you don't need the blades to catch the dragon in uh, Dragon's Reach, right? You know? Right. So like, it makes sense. So, so yeah. I mean, it's just you know, you. I you never did kill Parthenax. I mean, I, I maybe I told you to if you wanted to beat the game, but if if I did, I told you that out of just sheer like, ignorance, or I had been you know sleep deprived because I was staying up till four a.m. every day playing Skyrim, and really my mind wasn't working well, which is quite possible <laughs> at that time in my life, especially. Well, Parthenax is a fantastic character. I mean, he's he's probably he's probably my favorite character in the game. Well, honestly. I mean, if if I recall, it was I mean, it was the Blades who send you to Parthenax to try to get to Alduin. I mean, they're are they're the ones that tip you off on him, I think, or at least no, if it's, they... it's the it's the Graybeards. Yeah, okay. Graybeards, right. yeah. okay. 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 So, uh, according according to Wikipedia, because I haven't played the main quest in forever, 
Um, what happens is you battle with Alduin the first time. He flees to Sovngarde. Um, the player summons and traps uh, Odaving, the one in Dragon's Reach. And then Odaving agrees to fly you to Skuldafin, uh, claiming that Alduin has shown himself as weak and undeserving of leadership over the Dragon Race by fleeing from the Dragonborn. You enter Sovereign Guard, you do your thing, and uh, yeah. Yeah, so you don't even have to fight Parthenax, man. Yeah. Like, it's not even a thing that matters. Yeah. Well, like I said, I mean, Delphine took a knee when we were fighting, but I wasn't <laughs> able to finish her off. <laughs> All right. Um, before before we move to uh, two two things we got, and then we, then we'll we've got a we've got a pretty interesting ending question. Uh, favorite side quest. Okay, uh, we talked about the main storyline, but let's be honest, Skyrim side quests are amazing. So Al, we'll start with you, man. Favorite side quest. Oh man, that's a that's a good question. Um, whew. jeez. I'm really stuck between the end of the Thieves Guild line and pretty much everything that happens in the Dawnguard DLC. <laughs> because the Dawnguard DLC is dope. We're going to talk about DLC. I'm not counting that side quest. No. Okay. Yeah. Okay. okay. I'll, <laughs> sorry, I'll pump the brakes. Pump the brakes. Um, yeah, I think... Um, I think... Because, like... I have this somewhat controversial opinion where I enjoyed Oblivion overall more than I enjoyed Skyrim. Um, I think Skyrim is overall the better game, but Oblivion is the better RPG, and I enjoyed the RPG elements a lot more. Um, so probably the main thing that I think was a um, the most drastic improvement from Oblivion to Skyrim was the entirety of the Thieves Guild quest. Because I don't know if y'all did the Thieves Guild quest in Oblivion, but um, it kind of ends on like kind of a wet fart. It's not, it's not great. It's kind of, uh, it's kind of underwhelming. But um, in Thieves Guild quest in Skyrim, um, you meet like um, essentially like this entity who's like the patron saint of thieves, which is like some of the coolest lore i've ever heard it's super it's super awesome and you become a member of like her elite um trio of thieves and you get this really really sick armor um you go on this really really cool quest um and just that entire sequence from getting to meet that entity i think her name is Hawkturn, is that right? Uh, that sounds right, yeah. Yeah, um, is being able to encounter her um, and then get that armor, go on her quest, and then I think at the resolution of the Thieves' Guild quest, you get like an even better version of that armor, um, uh, which is just great, especially for that style of play. That was just really, really cool, and that was probably the bit of lore that I got the most lost in um, playing Skyrim, because I just thought that concept of, like, 
you know, the lifestyle of being a thief and being a really good thief had like this spiritual entity as like a patron saint of, of that lifestyle. I thought that was just super, super cool. So I'm going to say uh, on the ending sequence of the Thieves Guild. Okay. Yeah, I, I, the the guilds themselves I thought were really good. The I would say the only one, in my opinion, that was worse than the one in a, Oblivion was the Dark Brotherhood. I thought the Dark Brotherhood in Oblivion was fantastic <clears throat> and devious and it was just really different. And the Dark Brotherhood, not not that it was bad. I mean, it, you could kill the you know the, the emperor, <laughs> you know, but like, <laughs> but it is it, it's it's really cool and everything. But the one in Oblivion just has some really cool. I, I just I just keep thinking of that that one where like you've got to kill everybody in the house without letting the other people know, and That's, then like it, it's great because you you get to you and the last person. The last person's like, well, I know I'm not the killer, and then just, <laughs> it's really great. Um, but yeah, I agree. I think the Thieves Guild was great. Uh, I even and I don't even like magic, but I like the the college at uh, Winterhold. Mm-hmm. Uh, I thought that was a really fun uh, quest line as well. Uh, Micah, favorite side quest, man. Yeah, I mean, for me, it'd have to be the one that begins with a drinking game, uh, and you, <laughs> you wake up, and you cannot remember, um, you know, what happened the night before. And if I recall, you, when you wake up, you're at the temple in Markarth, so better hope you didn't bust out of jail before <laughs> you did that quest, Josh, or you might not have been able to do you're this. You're at the temple of Mara, right? Well, no, it's not Mara. I can't remember the, I can't remember the divine uh, temple that you're at. None ladies are griping at you. Yeah, they're mad because, you know, you made a, a mess of the place. And what I remember about that quest is at first I couldn't, you know, I like I tried to pick up the mess, but I, whatever I did, it didn't please them. So they made me pay them to clean it up before they would tell me. But I just remember, I mean, that was, and I don't know if the time frame, if that was, you know, about the time the movie The Hangover came out or, or whatever. But I just remember that quest was just a lot of fun because um, it was just so different than anything else in the game, and you really didn't know what was going to come next. But I remember, I think, maybe you ended up in Rorikstead, and um, that was a um, that was just a fun and different uh, side quest, really, then, and at that time, and in about any game that I'd experienced to that point. Isn't that the one where you got to return somebody's goat at one point? Yep, yep, yep. Yeah. You stole yeah. a goat. Yeah, you're because you're, you're, you're chronically finding out what you did the night before. Yeah, exactly. And it's just a bizarre, bizarre sequence. Yeah. And, and, that, I, that, and if I'm not mistaken, that was the one. It was actually one of the Daedric Lords or something that had instigated all this, and you do actually get some kind of decent prize when it's all said and done. Yeah, you, you, the, he had been messing with. Well, because the guy you end up in the dream game with was the Daedric Lord. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and so, uh, so yeah, it, it, that's a that, that's a great. That's a great uh, quest uh, quest line as well. Jake, uh, favorite side quest? So, <clears throat> later on, I did really enjoy the College of Winterhold. But the first one, the one that, like, was a, so cool to me. Um, when I was in Windhelm, and I was like, I've hardly done, and this is like my first playthrough, and I, I was like, I've hardly done anything in the lower eastern side okay mm-hmm. so like rift in and everything so i was like i'm gonna go to rift i know it's a big city down there and then i'm sure they'll find other things down there and the way that i had gone <clears throat> someone stopped me and 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 said my brother's been lost in the old dwimmer ruins can you go try and save him and i had no idea what the, what the dwimmer were 
I didn't know what any, any I didn't know anything about what was about to happen. But I was like, you know, I'm at Skyrim, and I was just going to go see what this town was anyway. So sure, okay. So if you don't know the the, the and I might be saying Dwemer wrong, but they're basically they were basically the the dwarven race of the elder of the. Oh my, uh, Micah! What's the world called? It's not Cyrodiil. That's the main one. The like the inter- Tamriel. Tamriel. Thank you. Um, and they had created like basically these automatons, basically like these like robots, pretty much. And so that's your enemy that you're fighting is all of these different things, and like they're golden, and it's just a really cool like design that you don't really see anything else like that throughout the game. So it's just something that's really different and really new. And at the one that I was at, they had a bunch of, they had a bunch of books on them. And I started, I kept reading and I was like finding out like the history of them and like how they basically designed all these things. And then were pretty much like wiped out and, but they left all their designs and everything. So it was just a really interesting, like little, like side, like side quest, side piece and everything to really see all this. Unfortunately, her brother ends up being dead, by the way, um, because all the automatons, mm-hmm. you know. But uh, but you get some really cool armor and really cool weapons and everything. Like, there's, like, a golden axe, which I was like, sweet, this is awesome. Um, didn't really work out that well for me being an archer, but, you know, it was it was cool to have. Yeah. Um, you know. So, so yeah, that little I, – I stretch with an M. I think it's it's MZ – it's, like, in Muzelft or something like that. Yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah you know, yeah, Muzelft, you know. yeah. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> the uh, the Dwemer ruins are are a lot of fun. I remember the I can't remember which one it is because and it's I think it's part of the main quest line. Actually, you end up in there, but you walk into this room, you see this like giant gold statue, and I remember walking in going, "I'm about to fight that thing." <laughs> you know, like I know it's not moving now, but I'm gonna fight. And you hit like a few buttons, and it comes to life and mm-hmm. attacks you. And yeah, th- those those were those were fun. Um, my favorite story, or my favorite side quest, uh, it might not be my favorite side quest, but my, it's my favorite just because of what happens in it. Um, so there's this tree in Whiterun that you have to, uh, that this lady's standing in front of, and she's like, mm. she's like, you've got, I, I need some sap to bring this tree back to life. So so Micah, Micah kept telling me, like, you have to do this. I was like, I don't, I'm not, I am not in the mood to go and like do horticulture for this lady. Okay. Like I'm in the middle of, fi- I'm, I'm, I, I'm fighting all this stuff. Mike is like, no, you have to do it. So one time Mike comes over, he's like, you have to do this. Okay. So back up. One of the first times I ever died in the game was I was running through the forest and I ran into a saber cat. And as I'm fighting the saber cat, I just randomly die. And the last thing I see is like these little like glowing, like leaves okay and you and hear I, like a little yeah exactly and i had no clue what that was okay all right so you go to this in order to in order to get the sap you you've got to go to this tree called the evergreen tree i think and you have to go and you have to fight your first hag raven uh to get this like knife because the evergreen tree won't be cut by anything but like a magical knife so when you go into what's called the Evergreen Sanctuary, there's all these, for lack of a better term, hippies hanging out and just like chilling, you know, and they're like, you walk in, they're like, hey, welcome to the Evergreen Sanctuary. It's just so glad you're here, you know, 
come and commune with us, okay? And, like, every single one of them will talk to you. Like, a couple of them will give you stuff. You know, they're just, like, the <laughs> nicest, most chill people. That's so, great. There's there's one who comes up to you and is just like, oh, oh Charlie's going to love you. It's <laughs> it's really it's really nice. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, like, in the middle of the Everglades Sanctuary is the root that you have to get the sap from, okay? So, you go... <laughs> You know, everyone's hanging out. Like I said, there's like all these little grottos. All right. You walk up to this tree, you hit it one time with that knife and everything goes dark and all these spriggans rise up, including a spriggan matron, which I'd never seen before. Okay. And so literally I just booked it out of there. So as it happened. And of course, like you're just booking it out to the screams of they don't even have knives. Okay. They don't have knives to fight or anything. They're just dying. These spriggans are killing them, and I'm just running. And I remember Micah, and Micah just laughing at me, like, yeah, you just murdered all those people, man. You just <laughs> murdered everyone. Hey, you know? hey if you if you played your cards right, they would have all left you their inheritance, though. That's true. Yeah, that's true. That's fair. That's fair. That's fair. Yeah, that's fair. I should have done that. I definitely should have done that. But, yeah, that's that. I just remember, you know, like, yeah, I remember just thinking, like, well, I wonder what's going to happen when I hit this tree. And, like, I don't know why that was the last thing I thought would happen. Like, a new enemy type plus, like, just everyone dying. I mean, there's just no chance. You didn't even fight. You didn't even fight your way out, did you? you no, just, I just ran. I was like, no, I ain't fighting these guys. It's like, but well, there's, like, four Spriggans and a Matron, you know, which, I mean, one Spriggan's tough. A Spriggan Matron by itself is tough. So, I mean, it was just, you know, and I just left. I just like, no, I I'm not messing with that. Um, but that, that was probably my, one of my favorite, one of my favorite moments. Uh, we do want to talk, uh, like I said, we're, we're, we're going to move towards the end here. I do want to talk about the DLC real quick. Um, simply because this was the first time I ever bought DLC, uh, for a game that I thought actually mattered. Like I, uh, I think at this point I'd, like I got the Catwoman stuff for Arkham city. Mm-hmm. Uh, but like that should have just been a straight part of the game. Uh, Al, I know you've got real big opinions on DLC. Mm-hmm. Um, you do. <laughs> yeah, you do. Um, Always have. DLC in Skyrim, is it worth it or not? Um, I think it is, yeah. Um, um, I think Skyrim has some of the best quality DLC um, I've ever played. Honestly, um, it's great. Uh, I mean, you have... You have... Three big ones, right? You have Hearthstone, um, Tongar, or Hearthfire. Yeah, Hearthfire. Hearthfire. Hearthstone is a <laughs> is a trading card game. Um, you have Hearthfire, uh, have Dawnguard, and you have the Dragonborn DLC. Mm. I think it's just called Dragonborn. Um, all of those are great. Um, I think all of those, I think each DLC is designed in such a way that it complements something in the base game that's already done really well if that makes sense because you have hearth hearthfire which allows you to construct your own house um you get like a plot of land you construct your own house you can have like your own family there occasionally a bandit will come and kidnap your your spouse and you have to go and save them um it's great so does that happen more than you think. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that happens. It's real. It's real. Um, um, and that and that DLC is great because it um, complements the aspect of Skyrim where you have that player agency. 
right? You get to go, you can create your own house. You can have ownership of that within the world. It feels like um, that part of the world is really just devoted to your character because it's your homestead. Um, it's your family, you know, and that's great. That's really well done. Um, you have the Dawn Guard DLC, which is so awesome. I think out of all the three, it's probably my favorite because it tells a really, um, a really cool story. It um, builds on um, an enemy type in the game through vampires, and it builds on a bunch of other stuff too because um, it introduces some more spellcasting stuff. Um, and I think the spellcasting in Skyrim is really good, so it complements and builds on that as well. And then you have the Dragonborn DLC, which complements and builds on the fact that Skyrim um, has a rich history from the rest of the franchise. And it complements on that because you get to visit areas and encounter enemies from some of the older games and enjoy that as well, as well as having it connect back to what the main story of Skyrim is too. So, I mean, it really touches all the bases of what I think a DLC should be in that it, it gives you something new and unique and it builds on things that the base game already did really well. So, yeah, I think uh, um, Skyrim DLC is awesome. It's really great. Yeah, uh, I, I, I'm like you. Yeah, I, I, I remember when Dragonborn came out, everybody was raving about it. And Dragonborn's really good. But I, I, just, I just think the story told in Dawnguard is so great. Plus, you get the crossbow. I love the crossbow. Absolutely, crossbow was a great new weapon. Um, Mike, you, you, I know you played all of them as well. Uh, you know, was there what stood out to you about the DLC? I mean, Serena was one of my favorite characters. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, she was the daughter of the vampire lord that mm -hmm. you rescued, and I mean, I remember. Uh, I mean, she she went around with me. She was like my companion for ninety percent of the game. You know, especially in the way I played it, because I was. Um, you know, or, or when I went back and played it again with the DLC content, because I got her pretty early, and then I would just cycle through, and I wouldn't just bust out the main quest or just the side quest. I'd try to cycle and kind of pace myself and do different things. So she was my companion for most of the game, and I just loved her as, an, as a companion. Um, so, that you know, to me, that was one of the biggest things. I will say that um, one of the creepier scenes happened in Don Guard and it's you know you're looking for her mother in this kind of purgatory type place. Yeah. And, the soul parent, right? Yeah, exactly. And to me that was that was a very uncomfortable place to be. And I mean I remember you know, you know, you're playing that game, you're you know, you're really connected uh, and immersed in the experience and you know you're just sitting there alone playing this and I mean that was a pretty uncomfortable and eerie place and I'm sitting there thinking you know there's some side quests to do here but I'm really wanting to get this thing done and get yeah. back to the real world because I was just really uncomfortable and that was really that was the only time in the game that I could could say that that I thought it was kind of spooky or where I personally felt uncomfortable playing it, uh, but that was just because it brought, um, you know, it, it brought the context out and it revealed it so well to the player. So that's that's why I thought Don Guard was so good. Yeah, I, yeah, Soul Cairn, uh <laughs> almost has like this Dante's Inferno thing going on because everybody that's there is. 
there of their own devices, so to speak. You know, like and it's so like when you talk to people, they they tell you these horrific stories of like you know, well, you know, my brother had money and I didn't, so I killed him, and you know, I killed my wife because she was cheating on it. Just all this horrible stuff. <laughs> Excuse me. Um, but I, I will say, almost as creepy as Soul Cairn is uh, Apocrypha in uh, Dragonborn, which is the the is that Maroon's Dagon who has the the big library of everything, all knowledge or whatever. Uh, so. Yeah, yeah, and like you know, he's just that he's just that eyeball, and like you know, at one point uh, there's he. One of the one of the village elders in Dragonborn has like set up this shield against him, and there's like a piece of knowledge that he doesn't have, Maroon Sagon doesn't have, and like this village elder has, and like in order to beat the game, you gotta get that village elder to give that knowledge to him. And so like you would think like it'd just be like okay, I'll go talk to Maroon Sagon and just like you know, hey, let me tell you this one thing, and Maroon Sagon shows up and stabs that guy in the head of a tentacle, and like that's how he takes the knowledge. It's like it's horrific. No, so there's like it's weird those they really kind of save the horror for those last two DLCs. And, and the monsters that you fought in the in that context were pretty creepy too. I yeah, mean, they the were. watchers and the stuff. I mean, that they were it was pretty uncomfortable enemies. Yeah, and the, those lurkers that came out of the swamp there uh, yeah. when you were like tearing down their their stone pillars, or whatever. Yeah, I mean, it was. I, I guess it was their way to reintroduce Oblivion Gates to us. You know, Bethesda was like, <laughs> "You hadn't had enough of this, so we're going to bring it to you guys." Yeah. Um, you know, on the. Yeah. All right. Uh, last question. That's a big one. I want to look to the future a bit. Um, so the biggest thing probably that happened in video game news last year uh, was um, that Microsoft bought Bethesda. And uh, that was, you know, Microsoft can't make any games on their own, so they just bought a company to make them for them. And so Bethesda, of course, you know, has a, they, they had a pretty checkered uh, eighth generation. You know, you had Fallout 4, which was very well received and a, and a very good game, if somewhat flawed. You had Fallout 76, which was an other disaster. Um, and you had some games like Prey and, um, you know, um, what am I leaving out? Uh, Prey didn't even do that well. Doom and Dishonor 2 and uh, I was about to say, uh, yeah, Doom, which was yeah, Doom uh, was a success and everything. Incredible revival of the franchise, yeah. But but Bethesda, I mean Bethesda is the you know is the house that's built by Elder Scrolls. I mean, let's yeah. be honest with ourselves here at this point. Um, so here's the question, and I, I'm we're all going to answer it, uh, except maybe. You know, Mike, I don't know. I, I, I don't know if you want to answer this question, actually. The three of us will answer it, and then you decide if you want to answer it or not. Okay, how about that? All right, here's the deal. Is the prospect of an Elder Scrolls game, Elder Scrolls 6, would that be enough? Because we're all PlayStation guys right now. Yep. Would that be enough to make you buy an Xbox One X or whatever it's called? Jake, I'll start with you. Oh, I will. I will buy the Elder Scrolls box. Yes. Okay. I will. I will. I will buy the Elder Scrolls box. Yes. Okay. There will be. There's nothing else for me but El, but the Elder Scrolls box. The yes. Elder Scrolls box. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Al, what do you think? Um, I'm gonna kind of cheat. Um, because I'm gonna say no. I'll just upgrade my PC. Play it on PC. Uh, no, 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 no. That. Yeah. <laughs> <Boom. Boom. laughs> 
Far, far, I mean, I you're getting no life. inheritance with that answer, Al. I mean, nobody <laughs> is, hope, is, is leaving hope, you. I hope it doesn't. Yeah. I hope it doesn't come out of PC. I hope it doesn't. Exclusive. Yeah, exactly. I hope. Scroll exactly. Six. I hope. I, yeah. Hope they um, Halo 5, Elder Scrolls 6 on me. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yes. Um, yeah, I would. I, you know, there's. If there was a game, you know, and, and, and the thing is, like I said at the time, I think. Uh, Microsoft buying Bethesda is a good thing because particularly with video games, it well if, if they can make it work with video games, I I come to the conclusion that you know rising tides raise all ships. It's good to have competition in video games, so I'm hoping this works out. Uh, if they put out a game that I think looks amazing, looks to the quality of the other Elder Scrolls, uh, yeah, I'll buy the I'll buy the Elder Scrolls Elder box, Scrolls box as Jake puts it. <laughs> Um, and that, that, that'd be, um, you know, where I'm at, uh, you know, and, and, uh, you know, I mean, Starfield looks good or sounds good at least. So we don't know what it looks like. It'll be interesting to see what they do in E3. Um, but they are confirmed Bethesda and Xbox are, yeah, they're doing a joint. I mean, the Xbox is, it's literally a joint Xbox has Mm. nothing else to show except Bethesda. Like that's literally what's happening. Gotcha. So uh, it'll be interesting to see what they do with that. Uh, Mikey, you want to answer that question or you just want to leave it blank? I mean, you know, I, I want it, but it's a lot of money. And, you know, my wife has thoughts about how we spend our money and that kind of thing. And I have thoughts about it. So that would that would definitely be something we put on our, our prayer list. Um, you know, <laughs> but I can't, I can't commit to it. But I can say that I would try to put it up at the top of that you know, prayer list priority things. So, like, um, just put it in the in the church bulletin. Micah is struggling with whether or not to buy the Xbox. <laughs> <or>. <laughs> you know, just like you know, have one of the deacons get up there and say, "We're going to pray for this." Or if you can pass, or, or, or if you all are considering a Christmas bonus this year, this is the price of a new Xbox with yeah. the Elder Scrolls game with taxes included. So, just throwing that out there. Yeah, just just don't don't give cash. Give the actual like you know Xbox. Yeah, that'd be great. Okay. Well, Here's your bonus. I'd give anything if that happened. But uh, just oh, be well. like, well, you know, um, the Bible actually says that for the next three months or so, you tithe eighteen percent instead of ten percent. I don't know if I'm allowed to do this or not, but I'm I'm going to because I mean, when you invite someone on your podcast, then uh, you're really inviting the floodgates to open up. But uh, Josh, you didn't ask this question, but I would ask the three of you all this. What was your favorite quote or one-liner from Skyrim? Because, you know, the NPCs had so many good lines. Uh, it, was there one that you particularly enjoyed hearing? Uh, I'll, I'll let uh, Al, Al go first. I was about to say, I've got one. Um, it never fails to make me laugh, but when you're doing a stealth playthrough, an archery stealth playthrough, and you get a, you get an arrow in a guy, and he doesn't die, and he goes on alert. If you wait it out in stealth, he'll go off alert, and he will say with an arrow sticking out of his mouth, "Ah, it must have just been the wind." That is my favorite <laughs> piece of dialogue. <laughs> just walking back, just with a dwarven arrow, just going through his head. Ah, it must have just been the wind. My bad. I love it. Uh, I, I, as as someone who played as a, you know, barbaric kind of character, 
uh, never should have come here while someone runs at me and then like gets interrupted <laughs> mid like never should have been this dead. <laughs> That's probably my favorite, you know, because it's just like you know they're always so confident, you know. Jake, what you got? Um, I had this only happened like twice in the game, but for some reason I had a moment where a dragon would come down just close enough near like this like a city limits of somewhere like White Run or something like that. And then the guard would go, what was that? <laughs> like, and that laugh. <laughs> like, because like we're talking like we're talking like 15 feet away from him. The the this this ancient being landed in front of them. What was that noise? You know, just like that kind of thing. That was that that, that was my favorite. That that was the most my favorite. I, I did also like uh, can't wait to count your coin. That that was fun. <laughs> Like the, it's always like a level five bandit. It's never like anyone strong. It's always he's just very confident uh, bandits. Yeah. What was your favorite, Mike? Well, my my Dramora Lord always gave me my my favorite. I would conjure him as the battle would begin, and he would just yell, "I smell weakness." And I mean, and especially at that point, once you once you got to the point where you could conjure him and he could kind of dominate for you, like it was just a a great experience with that game. So he was he brought me a lot of joy. <laughs> Uh, you have wares if you have coin. It's always yeah, a that's true as well. Yeah, yeah. have wares if you have coin. Yeah, yeah, that's a good one. Come to Dragon's Reach to discuss the ongoing hostilities, like the rest of the Great Warriors. Yeah, well, what's great about that one is, see, that one to me sticks out more than the Arrow and the Knee one because I don't know if you remember Micah, but there was about a four month period where if I called you or you called me, that was the first thing you said to me. <laughs> come yeah. to Dragon's Reach to discuss ongoing hostilities, you know, and it's, yeah. I <laughs> more from you than I did the game. So, uh, well, guys, this has been a, a, a great, a great podcast, great rundown memories lane here for Skyrim. Uh, like I said, we've got so much more uh, cool stuff coming for the summer video games, uh, streaming, we've got videos, uh, you know, we've got articles, and uh, we've got a lot of ways for y'all to interact with us. Uh, you know, we've got our Patreon, we've got Instagram, we're on Twitter, we're on Facebook, we're on every social media you could pro- possibly conceive with the possibility. I don't think we're on Craigslist yet, and that probably won't happen. Um, but but we are on the others. And uh, if you have any ideas or anything you want to hear or want us to talk about, uh, please let us know and, uh, you know, get a hold of us. Uh, let us know what you think of this podcast as well. And uh, if there's video games you want us to talk about in the future, let us know that as well. Uh, Jake, Al, and of course, definitely our our resident Skyrim scholar, uh, Micah. Thank you so much for being here and uh, for helping us out on this. And as always, uh, we like to say, uh, Phantom is for everyone. Y'all have a good night, and uh, we will see you soon. Kawabunga. There we go. <laughs> May your road lead you to warm sands. Thanks for uh, thanks for inviting me. <laughs>